Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Well, it's an absolute privilege and pleasure this morning that we have a good friend from Ulverston in Tasmania, Life Church, and it is Pastor Peter Shirley. And here he is. Can I say that Pastor Peter... Pastor Peter. Oh, nice. That's very official. Very formal. Now... Uh, he is my favourite violin player. No pressure, but you better make it good this morning. I'll try. You are going to be blessed. Uh, And so, go for it. Thank you. (laughs) It was an early start and a late night, but I had a great night up there. Um, Just uh, even better to be with you guys this morning. So... um, all right. Well, thank you for uh, voting me your most favourite violinist, Pastor Jim. That's uh, awesome. Uh, certainly, um, we, I don't know how long it's been since I've been with you guys, but it wasn't in this building, and I love the building. And I know you guys got flooded a couple of years ago, didn't you? So, but uh, this is an amazing blessing, isn't it? So, yeah. Our church, after 17 years, finally moved into our building in 2020. So that was cool. So. Yeah, alrighty, some music. In the 
Beyond the shadow of a doubt Beyond the changing of my mind Though my deepest fears abound 
Thank you. Well, I've uh, been touring uh, for the last 12 months on a new album, which uh, was released last year. and It's called A Change of Scenery. And uh, that title was actually uh, inspired as I was kind of 
getting my thoughts together and getting inspired to write. Um, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a what new creation. Yeah. The old is gone. The new has come. And, and I want to remind us this morning that when we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Christ, our identity shifts and our identity is found in Him. And so often, even as Christians, we can live under this cloud of condemnation. We've got a very real enemy who loves to sit on our shoulder and whisper in our ear and say, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy. And how easily we believe it. And we can look at our lives, we can look at our mistakes, we can look at our wrestle with sin, we can look at our past, we can look at our pre-Christian life, and there's so much stuff there that we're not proud of. And that the devil loves for us to be constantly revisiting that stuff and for it to be a disqualifier, to cause us to retreat from God rather than pressing into God. The old has gone, Paul says. The new has come and the Bible gives us this beautiful picture that when I say yes to Jesus, I actually become clothed in His righteousness. And, and, and that is just an amazing picture. When I'm clothed in His righteousness, it means when God looks at me, He doesn't see the stuff that causes so much shame. He doesn't see the stuff that... that, that, that disqualifies us we're, we're, we're qualified because he looks at us and he sees the perfection of Jesus and, and I don't know about you but when I think about that and I, I don't feel deserving of that and that's the wonderful thing about God's love it's not deserved but the writer of Hebrews says Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. We don't need to back away. He says, but, but let us approach the throne of grace with confidence because we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And then Paul gives the, uh, sorry, the writer of Hebrews gives the instruction, hey, hey guys, this is your position of confidence before God. Not in who you are, but who in, in who Jesus is. So then, let us then approach the throne of grace, God's throne, God's presence with confidence to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And, and that's a promise for all of us this morning. If you are far from Jesus, if you're feeling disqualified, recognize that the God of this universe, the God who created you, desires to have a very real personal relationship with you for you to discover the fullness of life that He promises. And it's found as our identity shifts that the old has gone, the new has come. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that this morning? So that's what this title track, A Change of Scenery, is all about. That's a really long introduction to a very short song, but uh, this is it.
the old has gone, the new has caused a change I've seen in you. What's done is done, new life begun, the change I've seen in you. God will make all things new to reveal all that's true. To be the messenger of peace To bring the hope of grace Into the darkest place Shadows fade and battles cease And it begins in me The change of scene The form of things no longer claim the change I've seen in me. What's been before will be no more the change I've seen in me. God will make all things new to reveal all that's true to be the messenger of peace. Bring the hope of grace into the darkest place. Shadows fade and battles cease, and it begins in me. The changes in me. And to this hope, I'll testify the grace that I can justify. Change of scenery. The past is fading all the while, and now a chance to reconcile. And it begins in me.
Thank you. Sometimes I stay silent Sinful words hard to speak You know sometimes inside I'm frightened But faith at times seems oh so weak With grace and mercy on my side you know the depths of my heart and my mind You alone I Lord and you know I try No, sometimes I get so weary Trying to prove all I
Well, people often ask me what, what, uh, what inspires my songwriting, and uh, number one, absolutely no question, just what I call my journey of faith, just day after day, just discovering more of the awesomeness of God. And uh, that's number one inspiration, uh, and obviously pages of God's Word, the Psalms are just filled with creative inspiration. Um, and then family is a really big one for me as well. I've uh, married to Kerry for 36 years. We've got five children. And uh, our eldest, Rebecca, is 33. Our next son down is 30. He's married to Sarah with our first grandchild, Phoebe. Yeah. I was just, why do people applaud me when I do that? I mean, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but I do welcome it. It's uh, those that are in that season of grandparenting, there's, it's absolutely awesome. And then our next son down is 22, married to Caitlin, that's Aaron, and uh, they're expecting their first in January, so that'll be grandchild number two. I know, it's great. Uh, then Esther is 19, she's here in Brisbane, I'll be stopping with her tonight. And uh, then we've got one left at home, Noah, who's 16, so that's, that's my family. And um, this song was actually a song that I wrote for Rebecca, our eldest, a number of years ago when she graduated from university. And uh, I thought, what could I do special for my daughter for her university graduation? And a bunch of her friends were getting cars. And I thought, I'll write a song. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was way cheaper. Um, but it, it actually hit the mark, and it was one of those special moments. Um, and then uh, 20... 2014, I actually recorded it on an album. And uh, towards the end of 2014, I got a call saying, um, that song you wrote for your daughter has been nominated at Tamworth for Country Ballad of the Year. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, 700 nominations in the category, so uh, at that point probably didn't deserve a round of applause. But, uh, uh, but then uh, in December of that year, they said, uh, you need to get up here in January because you're a top five finalist. So that was... Oh, yeah, now you can clap on that one. That's yeah, yeah really. So went up to Tamworth, and I had been to the festival before. It's amazing, but um, to hang out with some pretty amazing songwriters and artists was uh, a great privilege, and to be recognised amongst them, uh, didn't win. But uh, I think part of the reason was for the whole week I refused to wear a cowboy hat. <laughs> but anyway, it was uh, it was special. So um, you probably wanted to hear the song, I suppose. Here we go. And memories 
Now, here's the thing. Um, all those kids that got given cards, they're now beat up rust buckets. And the song lives on. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, uh, oh, this is very hot. That's okay. Um, you can take some music home with you today. Um, and for those who are still old school, we do have CDs. Uh, we also have download cards and our most popular item is a thing called the Platinum Collection which is five albums on a plug and play USB stick so if you've got a modern car that doesn't have a disc player 
this just goes in and, and syncs to your media player, goes into a smart TV, whatever device that has USB. So you can take that home. Thank you. That uh, supports us on the road as we travel around. I uh, just feel wonderfully privileged to be here this morning. So thank you to Pastor Jim and Carly. It's uh, great to visit you guys again and, uh, and to celebrate this building. God is good. Uh, I, I love walking into, walking into vision and the fulfillment of vision. And uh, it's great. Really excited. This morning, um, my message really is called, I love you. If it comes up on the screen, I'll be really, really happy. There we go. And it's got two question marks on the end. Why the question marks? I think most people are familiar with the concept of God being a God of love. Uh, I mean, we say God is love. It is who God is. It is at the core of his being. It is his character. He is a loving God. For those outside of the church, they've probably heard a million times, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. So I don't think that this is a mystery, the concept of God loving us. I've put question marks after this title because I, I want to ask the question today, for some people, is that enough? Is I love you enough? A few years ago, we were doing some outreaches on uh, some of the southern Philippine islands and um, it was over two weeks most of those events were in town squares and um, we had a large team and needed a large PA we hired a local guy whose name was Jun and he'd come every evening set up his gear and he was just such uh, such a pleasure to work with I mean he was just so helpful so excited to be a part of what we were doing and night after night after night, he'd turn up and just gave his best. On the second last night of this crusade, we're sitting around after the evening event and sitting with our team. And for some reason, I just got talking about Jew and I just said, man, this young guy is absolutely awesome. And one of the pastors said, oh, he, he is actually in a lot of trouble. And I said, oh, what's going on? And they said, well, he's actually on bail awaiting sentencing for the shooting murder of his stepbrother and I got to be honest I'm sitting there thinking thanks for telling us now but I actually struggled to kind of reconcile that and uh, my heart just went out to this young guy and I thought man and I was so personally challenged realizing that the following evening would be the final time that I had to spend time with him and here's the interesting thing for two weeks he had been hearing this message night after night after night after night after night that God loves you, that God loves you, that God loves you. But as I said earlier, I wonder what it was, what it was within him that caused him to feel disqualified. Pretty big elephant in the room. But I thought, you know what, I've just got to confront this young guy. So final night came. And at the end, as he always was, Jun was just packing up his gear. He's on the stage rolling up some leads. And I called him over and I said, Jun. He said, yes, sir, what is it? And I said, Jun, 
do you know that God loves you? And he said, yes, sir, I do. And he turned away and went back to rolling up his leaves. And I called him back and I said, John, look at me. I said, you need to know that God loves you in spite of what you are facing, in spite of anything that you have done. God loves you and God chooses to forgive you. And all you need to do is reach out and receive that forgiveness. And, and I, I went on just to personalize God's love for him in a way perhaps that he hadn't heard before. And as I continued to explain, uh, something connected. I could see, see tears welling up in his eyes. And I said, John, can I pray for you? And he said, yes, yes, sir, please do. And I can't remember the exact words that I prayed. But it was that he would receive a revelation of the depth of God's love, of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, that whatever he was facing, that God would walk that with him. And then just that coming, coming to that place of, of leading him in, in a prayer, just saying, Jesus, I choose you in this moment. I choose you. I receive you. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness into my life. And that new identity that we talked about earlier. Anyway, the prayer finished and I opened my eyes and I just saw a young guy who was just radiating. This huge smile on his face and I said, John, do you know Jesus? And he said, yes, sir, I do. And it was an amazing moment. But the question today is, I love you enough. Just prior to um, COVID, let's wipe that one off, shall we? Uh, I was out in Mergen. Uh, New Horizons Church out there was celebrating their 50th anniversary and quite a big event. And there were people who had been connected to the church through those decades that came and prior pastors. And it was just a really good event. And it was a privilege to be invited to be a part of that. Most of what was happening was uh, around a big meal together, a celebration on Saturday at lunchtime. Uh, so by mid-afternoon, everything was pretty much done and there was nothing until the following morning for the church services. Uh, and I was booked into a motel at Wandai. Uh, nobody here from Wandai this morning? No? They're all still asleep. Um, it is a sleepy town. And uh, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon in Wandai, there wasn't too much to do, so I'm sitting in my motel room. I put the telly on, flicking through the channels, and up came... Uh, the movie Avatar, who remembers that, the original one? And uh, I, I thought, well, nothing else to do, so I'll sit there and watch it. It was about only about a third of the way in. It's a long movie. The story of Avatar is basically a love story. And I'm watching this, appreciating that it's a love story. Now, there is a whole bunch of narratives that <laughs> are woven through the story. You know, there's... Uh, racial narratives and, and environmental narratives and uh, yeah, you, you can't avoid those. But essentially it's a love story. But what I actually noticed as I was sitting there, I'm thinking, this is a love story and the characters not once in the movie say, I love you. And what they say in this movie instead of the words, I love you, is the words, I see you. They say, I see you. I started actually Googling it while I'm sitting there, Avatar, I See You, and discovered, doing some reading, it's actually the whole theme of the movie. And even the score, the repetitive theme that underscores the whole movie, 
uh, is called I See You. And so the context of that is this. It's the predominant theme of the story and everything on the planet Pandora is totally interconnected. And their, own, their lives only make sense as they understand their connectedness to others and their connectedness to the planet, to nature. And so they use I see you in place of I love you because my life only makes sense when I am seen by others, when I'm connected to others. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this has got a really familiar theme. And I reckon they borrowed it from God's Word because we find a very similar story in God's Word. And friends, here's the lesson. God has placed in our DNA, first of all, yes, a need to be loved. But God has also wired into us a need to be seen and need to be recognized. And I, I wonder if that's why, you know, a, a small child, when they're attempting something for the first time, might be riding a bike, climbing a tree, sliding down a slide, on a swing, whatever it is, you've got little kids. They always say, Mommy, look at me, or Daddy, look at me. And they want to be seen. They want to be recognized. There's this need to be noticed. And the truth is, mums are actually, I think, better at doing this than dads are. I, I don't want to pay out on the dads today. I'm a dad. But uh, there's a great quote that goes something like this. A woman knows all about her children. She knows about dentist appointments and romances and best friends and favorite foods and secret fears and hopes and dreams. A man is vaguely aware of some short people living in the house. <laughs> and there is some truth to that. I think dads are great at I love you. Mums are really, really good at I see you. Now, my intention this morning is not to bring a lesson from the movie Avatar. My intention today is to bring a parallel theme from God's Word. Really interesting story. It's the story of a woman called Hagar. Genesis 16 and 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So, after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar, gave it to her husband to be uh, his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Well, your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai ill-treated Hagar, so she fled from her. 
the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress, submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants, they will be too numerous to count. To verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. Now there's a little bit of background to this story. Abraham, well advanced in years, has this encounter with God. The Bible's not very complimentary about Abraham. In fact, it says he was as good as dead twice. It says that. It says of Sarah, his wife, um, she was worn out. So the Bible's not terribly complimentary about them. But he says to Abraham, Abraham, your wife, even though she's barren, she is going to give you a son. From that son will come a nation. That nation will bless the world. So Abraham has this promise from God, but a year goes by, five years goes by, ten years goes by, and still there's no child. And Abraham and Sarah, it was actually Sarah's suggestion, uh, hang on, we've, we've missed something here, this isn't going to happen. Oh, I know, you're meant to actually have the baby through Hagar. Kind of makes sense biologically, perhaps. But they actually shortcut the purposes of God. But for Hagar, let's focus on her, because here is this Egyptian slave girl. So number one, she's living in slavery. She's living in a foreign place. And then, to make things worse, she actually just becomes a means to an end for an old couple who couldn't have kids. And it's really interesting that in the text, when it's talking about her, the interaction between Abraham and Sarah, when they're talking about Hagar, they don't even mention her by name. She's just the servant girl or the slave girl. She falls pregnant, according to the amazing plan of Sarah. But then she begins to despise Sarah. They obviously are going at each other. And Abraham says, well, you just do what you want with her. And we're not told how she, how she mistreated her, but it was bad enough that she thought, I'm getting out of here and probably intending to die. She's going to run away into the desert and die. So here she is in the desert on her own, pregnant, in a strange place, feeling totally despised, feeling like an absolute nobody, feeling like an outcast. And then God wonderfully shows up. And it's a beautiful moment. And suddenly in the presence of God, she feels recognized. 
She feels valued and she feels seen. And she gives God a name, El Roy, the God who sees me. And Hagar, who up until this point has felt totally, totally insignificant, she encounters God and she discovers, wow, actually I'm not insignificant at all. And it's really interesting because this conversation that Hagar has with God is actually one of the longest recorded conversations that any person has with God in the whole of the Old Testament. And get this, Hagar, the Egyptian slave, not even called by name by her owners, is the only person in the Bible who gives God a name. Up until that point, God had attributed a whole bunch of names to himself, and I give these names to my people. I am to be known by this. And all of those reveal a wonderful attribute of God, but they're big names, they're huge names. The Creator God, Elohim, big name. Yahweh, the covenant God, El Shaddai, the almighty God. They're all grand names, big names. But Hagar needed something more personal, something that expressed the intimacy that she discovered when she encountered God, thinking she was a nobody in the back of the desert. She has this encounter, and she says, God, you are El Roy, the God who sees that is an amazing story. And I don't know who you are this morning. But what I do want you to know is this. God not only loves you, but God sees you. And, and I think sometimes we're so familiar with the love of God and the concept of God being a loving God that there's almost a disconnect. It's almost impersonal. But when we reframe God's love in that personal, intimate sense that says, not only does God love me, but in fact, God sees me, then that changes everything. God sees you. He knows what you're facing right now. He knows the heaviness that you might be carrying. He knows the struggles. He knows the mysteries, those moments where we go, God, I have no idea what's going on, but how good it is that we can say, God, I don't know, but you do. You love me and you see me. You know what's going on right now? Psalm 139, 13 is beautiful. Reminds us that you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I'm just going to ask the team to come back up. Friends, we worship a God who is a loving God. God is love. And God, the creator of this universe, loves you. But I want you to know as well that the God who loves you is also the God who sees you. El Roy, the God who sees me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The first 15 years of our ministry were in high school and college evangelism. Back in a day in the 80s and 90s where you could actually go into schools and go into colleges and freely preach the gospel. We uh, at one point had, had uh, ministered for two weeks in Mildura, I think we had visited pretty much every school, both public and private, in the area over that two-week period and uh, returned home to Brisbane after that two weeks where we were living at the time. And uh, about 10 days or two weeks after that, I got a letter in the mail. Who remembers letters, letters in the mail? And uh, I opened the letter and uh, it was just a sledgehammer, this young girl said you came to my school and obviously felt it was a safe place to share and she just told us in this letter just her life, her story and in particular uh, the horrible, horrible abuse that she'd been suffering since a child and the impact that that had had in her life and, and how, you know, she had looked for all kinds of ways of escape even as a teenager. Uh, and I won't go into the detail but it was, it was not pretty and uh, I immediately got on to one of our contacts in Mildura and I told him about the letter and I gave the details of who this person was and made sure that there was going to be follow-up made sure that she was going to be connected with somebody who could help her and guide her and perhaps in the same way help her to come un to understand there is a God who loves you there is a God who sees you about 10 years later, we were in uh, the Clare Valley District in South Australia, wine country, and we had very, very busy itinerary in the schools there. And I got a phone call um, from the chaplain of the Snowtown High School. And Snowtown's memorable for all the wrong reasons. Uh, anyway, the chaplain said, have you got any time in your schedule to fit us in? And I said, we are absolutely slammed. The only spot we have open was the very next day, last two periods of the day, and they said, done, we just want you in. I was like, oh, that's cool. And so we went to the t Snowtown High School for two periods uh, at the end of the day with the senior students, and it was it was really, really solid time. Uh, super open, and anyway, we just shared the gospel with this group. And uh, at the end, I, I just got chatting to the chaplain, and I said, um, how did you know about us? And she said, well, I, I, I knew you were in the area. I just wanted to get you into the school. And I said, no, but how did you actually know about our ministry? And she said, oh, you wouldn't remember this, but uh, I used to live in Mildura and you came to my school and I wrote you a letter. 
And I'm like, no. And uh, I said, I tell you, not only, not only do I remember you, but that letter actually inspired a song which we've run out of time. I'm not going to sing this morning. But it was a song that I just sung in front of that group inspired by her story and I shared that with her and we both had a moment but how good is God he takes a girl who was feeling like dirt feeling unloved feeling I can't trust anybody reaches out and then wonderfully connects with a God who loves her and a God who sees her and her life is absolutely radically turned around. And what God is in the wonderful business of doing is not just wiping the past clean, but actually redeeming the past. See, and that's not wasted. Your story's not wasted. It's not just to be fixed and forgotten about. More importantly, I'm going to take that story, and now she works she works with at-risk young women bringing that same hope that she discovered that is Elroy God who sees me and I just want to encourage you this morning to leave here knowing God actually sees me He knows me, He loves me, He sees me and walk in the confidence of that into whatever this week has for you whatever your circumstances have for you just know God sees me God sees me. He's got this. Amen. Thanks, team. I think I think we've got to hear that song, hey? Okay? Well, I need his guitar, though. You know. Can I have your guitar? Yeah, sure. You can have his guitar. song where I smashed that tar on the stage. It's <laughs>
Why don't we all stand this morning? Wow, what a powerful song. You know, Jesus died for us. We're just going to have the, the music, just, just some keyboard, just some playing. And, you know, this morning, we know that Jesus died for us. We know that he loves us. But you know what? He sees us. And I, th I think that message that Peter shared for us is such a deep, personal message of how God really wants us to know 
that he sees us in the challenges and the trials and the pain and the difficulties that we are going through now, right now. And I, I just want to put out that challenge to you this morning. If you've never thought about that, that God sees you exactly where you are now, I want you to come and I want you to make that confession, God, you see me. You see me in the fire. You see me in the flood. You see me in the desert. You see me when I'm in that pain. You see me. God, when I'm trying to get through just today, I want you to come and I want Peter to pray for you, just to lay his hand upon you. I really believe that that is an incredible message. I have heard thousands of messages and I know that there is an anointing on that message. That is a life message there for us, right there. That message should be heard right across the world. That God sees me now where I am with Brian Jane. And I think if, if Peter prays for you this morning, just to put his hand upon you, that will do something in your spirit that when you're going through that challenge, you're going through that trial, you will remember that God sees you in that circumstance. Whatever it is, we're going to sing that song and I just want you to come. I want you to receive from the Lord this morning through Pete's ministry. Can I also say, Peter hasn't asked for anything financially to come, but you can make a, a deposit using the credit card there. There's a line there. It's got Peter Shirley, Peter S on there. I want you to be generous with giving to him this morning. It is, you know, generosity is not a, an amount. It's a heart to bless. And if you've received, if you bless the man of God, I know that God will bless you. But we're going to sing that song. And I, want, I invite you to come this morning. Regardless of what you're going through, you come. You come right now because God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. You don't hold back. God sees you. He sees you. And you receive this morning. And whatever you're going through, He sees you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.